Hello everyone and welcome to Words from Abba, a place where we look to reveal the Father's heart so that you may be confident in who He is and what He has to say to and about you. If you haven't already, please feel free to like and follow us on Instagram at Words from Abba, on Facebook at Words from Abba, and also have a look at our website which is wordsfromabba.wixsite.com forward slash home. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Words from Abba. So as I said in the last podcast, we're going to be diving straight into the fruit of the Spirit. We are still continuing with the fruit of the Spirit series. And last podcast, we looked at the works of the flesh, just so we could delve into it. Um. But today we're just going straight to the fruit of the Spirit. And as I said right in the beginning, when we're thinking about the fruit of the Spirit, don't think of them as different types of fruit. For example, apples, oranges, bananas, whatnot, whatnot. Rather, the fruit is one fruit. And it's like different segments of the same fruit. So if you think about it, that for like... For example, on an orange, you've got the oral, you've got the pill, the skin, you've got the little pips inside, you've got the pulp, you've got the skin of the pulp, you've got that little green thing that kind of holds the orange together. I don't know what it's called, <laughs> but it's all part of the orange, right? So that's the same with the fruit of the spirit. It's all, it's one, it's one fruit, but and it's not that like you pick and choose what the Holy Spirit is going to, or the Holy Spirit picks and choose what he's going to work in you, but rather the Holy Spirit works to produce this fruit in you. And this is what the fruit is made up of. Yeah, that's the best way to put it, I think. This is what the fruit is made up of. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, Paul starts by saying, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. So the very first fruit that's mentioned there is love. And that is, isn't that so like God to sort of start talking about love and I think it's important to note that that's the first thing that's been mentioned because love is quite important but I'll get into that a little bit more later on in the podcast when I was kind of thinking about love I realized that love is open to so many different interpretations right so from a human perspective um when you think about love, you're probably going to think about the love that you have for your family, the love that you have for maybe your partner or your husband or wife, the love that you have for your friends, um, the love that you have for your co-workers, if you've got love for your co-workers, um, the love that you have for your pets, right? And it's all using the same word, that love word. We don't, in the English language, we don't sort of have any different um, words to describe the different types of love. But in the Greek language, the Greek language is so rich, it actually has as far as I'm aware for, at least from what I've learned, I haven't done a very deep study into the all the types of love that are there in the Greek language, but there are four types of love that we know that I know of. So there is um Sturgio, there is Phileo, there is Agape, and there's Eros. And all of them, even within Christianity, they all have a place and a purpose. And I think, um, just as a side note, you know, like Eros is one of those kind of taboo um, loves within Christendom. And Eros basically speaks about that sexual love that you have. And I think because it's the most abused type of love, it's also the love that nobody really wants to talk about. But maybe one day, you know, God willing, we might do a little study so that we can look at the four types of loves and how they kind of apply and where they should apply within Christendom because God created the love, right? And it's just that when we abuse it, we 
use it abnormally that's what abuse is right it's using something abnormally and it's just that i think like i said eros is the most is the love that's used in the most abnormal way most of the time but um who knows maybe sometime next year we'll look at a study in that but today we're looking at love um as spoken of here so what type of love is produced by the spirit and i was kind of thinking that for me like if we were to think about it is it like a romantic type of love for me personally i've been in love probably i'd say two or three times and my husband is the one that I've probably loved the most. But the, when I was with the first person I loved, I thought that I could never love a person in this way. When I was with the second person I loved, I thought that I could never love a person in this way as well. You know what I mean? The love was so fickle. And even when, even when you think about maybe the love that you have for your family and everything that... The human understanding of what love is is so fickle. So I, I, I sort of went in when I was doing this study. I was wondering, like, okay... Is that the type of love that God produces? Is it a love that's able to wax and wane? Is it a love that's high in one moment and low in another? It was a genuine question that I wasn't too sure. Because I think for us as people, it's difficult to love consistently, like at 100%, all the 100% of the time. I think God is the only one who probably has the ability to love 100% at 100% of the time. So I wanted to really find out what is this love that Holy Spirit produces and how do I know if I've got that type of love? Was there like, um, what are the signs that this fruit, that you know, what are the fruit of love? What, what does love look like according to God when God is saying that I'm going to produce the fruit of love um, or part of the fruit of the spirit that I'll produce in you is love? So um, the word love that, that's used there is the word agape, and it refers to the highest form of love. We, and it basically refers to the love that God has for man that man has for God and even that man have toward each other so it's 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 got a sense of benevolence and charity and um actually it's the same word that was used in John chapter 13 and verse 35 so just before that in verse 35 I believe Jesus has said said that you know I'm giving you a new command like it's not it's, it's a new it's it's a, it's an old one but it's a new one as well and he was like saying that to love one another and then he was like saying that that's how the world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another, if you agape one another. It's also the same word, that agape word is also the same word that Jesus used when he says, greater love hath no man than this, that he lay his life down for a friend. So greater agape um, hath no man than he lay his life down for a friend. Um, in the Amplified Version, um, when in Galatians 5 verse 22, it speaks about the fruit of the Spirit is love, and it says, unselfish concern for others, in the message translation, it speaks about affection for others. And in the passion translation, it talks about divine love in all its varied expressions. And then it does like that. I think it's a, is it a colon? Yeah. And then it's, it basically goes on to list like all the rest of the spirit. So if you've got a, even if you've got like a Bible app or if you've got a passion translation, the Passion Translation version of the Bible, go and read um, Galatians 5.22 and see how it's, um how they kind of define love. So the way that they define it is almost like they're like the word, the fruit of the spirit is love. And then dot, dot, this is what love is. You know what I mean? Which I found very, very interesting. And like I said, that it's quite interesting that the first thing that is mentioned there is the word love, right? That God says that the first thing I'm going to, it doesn't necessarily say that the first thing that I'm going to produce in you is love, but it's that thing of first mention it kind of gives it first importance in a, in a way and um as i was kind of doing uh my research on it um holy spirit directed me to first corinthians chapter 12 and 
it speaks of chapter 13. It says that it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I have become sounding breath or a clanging symbol. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So I was quite interested. I was like, okay, so basically here the word of God is saying, you could talk in tongues, both of men and of angels, but if you don't love, you've got nothing. You're like a resounding brass. And even if you've got the gifts of prophecy, you understand all ministry and all mysteries and all knowledge, and you've got all the faith in the world. If you've got love, you've got nothing. And he says, like, even if you give, even if you sell any everything that you have and you sell it all to give it to the poor, if you don't love, again, the word of God says, you are nothing. So maybe it might be good. I'm just going to um, open um, this app that I have that kind of defines that word love in Greek. And it's that same word again, um, the word agape. And um, it's interesting in the King James Version, it defines it as charity. Instead of the word love, it says um, charity. So the word love, like I said, it's agape. And it says brotherly love, affection, goodwill, love, benevolent, benevolence. And it speaks of love feasts um so affection again so it's like dear love and it's like a love feast or a feast of love so it's not just like it's almost like it's so abundant isn't it and um here the word of god is saying that if you don't have this agape love then you're like nothing and i find it interesting that even if you were to sell everything you have and give it to the poor if you don't have love You've got nothing. Almost like you selling everything you've got and giving it to the poor it doesn't necessarily mean that you love. So I found that um, very interesting as I was reading that and just looking at how important um, the word of God has kind of placed on this love. Um, and there's another verse actually that I read that I found um, that I think would be good to mention. And it's found in First John chapter 4 and I believe it should be verse... Um, seven and eight yeah here we go it says beloved let us love one another again it's that word agape so i'm going i'm just going to use the word agape um because that's the word that that's been used in greek so it says beloved let us agape one another for agape is of god and everyone who has agape is born of god and knows god it says everyone who loves so everyone who agapes is born of god and knows god he who does not agape does not know god for God is agape. You know, like, it's literally, like, Holy Spirit is saying that the first fruit I'm going to produce in you is me. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Do you know what I mean? That God is love. Who is God? God is love. And the first fruit that he's going to produce in you is himself. He's going to replicate himself almost in you, if that's the right word to use. But that's why I was, I think, like I said, when I went into, to do my studies, I wanted to know, is it like the human type of love that I understand or is it different because I don't know I think even like sometimes I think we equate love to even like sexual orientation and that you know if somebody is attracted to the opposite sex then we say oh whoever you're attracted to then you say I love this person when it's it might just be eros do you know what I mean and um if another person doesn't accept or 
tells you that look the word of god says that doing this is wrong then it's saying no you you must not love me because of this but it seems as if we don't have an understanding of what love actually is so that's why when i was kind of doing my studies i had to ask the question that all right then so how is this love that you're speaking of god then made manifest and again like i said as i was studying the holy spirit led me to first corinthians chapter 13 and first first you know first corinthians literally opens up so just before actually you go into that first corinthians is speaking about spiritual gifts right oh that's good that's a good one that you know it's not even like a given like you know the love that we're speaking about here it's a gift that god gives to us as his children you know how it speaks like last time we spoke about walk by the spirit um and i think it's in romans where it speaks about for as many as are led by the spirit those are the ones that are called sons of god and in galatians paul admonishes us to walk in the spirit walk by the spirit be led by the holy spirit and there's this gift of love that he gives us and it's not necessarily even just this love that he has for us but he enables us to love other people in the same way that he has loved us um and so when you read in chapter 12 it's it's talking about spiritual gifts and it speaks about you know working of miracles some people prophesying etc etc and paul basically says you know that it's one spirit who gives Although even though everybody has different gifts, it's one spirit who gives these gifts. And then it speaks about um, you know, the fivefold the ministries that are given to the body of Christ. And it says that in verse 27, so chapter 12, verse 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, health, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I will show you a more excellent way. So sometimes, you know, when we read the Bible, um, whenever you listen to like a lot of teachers of the word, they'll tell you that, you know, God, when the, when the word was written, it didn't have the chapter demarcations that we have now. This was just a letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian churches, right? And here, like I said, he was talking about gifts of the Spirit. And then he says, and yet I show you a more excellent way. He says, earnestly desire the best gifts, but I'm going to show you the best, the, a more excellent way to desire these gifts. And then he goes in to speak about love, right? So when you think about it, in essence, this love that we have that god produces in us this agape love is not something that comes natural to us like we spoke about in last episode that we spoke about what the sinful nature desires and the sinful nature doesn't desire to love but it's a gift that god gives us in the form of the fruit of the spirit and um paul goes on to say so this is how this is what this type of love looks like in action because it's not just a feeling like I said before, feelings are so fickle. Feelings are up one day, down the next. That's why I think we've got such a high rate of divorces nowadays because we've, we've made love into a feeling. And when I don't have the same feelings for you that I had when I first met you, then it must mean that I don't love you anymore, right? But that's not the case, is it? It's because you can't expect to love somebody the same way that you loved them before. That love is either that that feeling that you had, that's which is not love, that feeling of excitement 
the feeling of oh you know like when you first get a boyfriend or you first go get a girlfriend and you've got butterflies in your in your stomach whenever you you see them or when you're talking to them you're just feeling like the whole world is just so perfect five years down the line that's not going to be the same because there is that feeling of newness it's like imagine if you've gotten a new phone right you want to like you're just on your phone 24 7 you want to learn all the tidbits about it you want to know how good is the camera how do you record videos um you just want to play around with it but then if you've had the same phone for about five years you don't really care about playing around with it so it's that's that feeling right but love is something totally different especially this agape kind of love so i went and i did like a like a like you know you guys know me i love to do like a study of the bible and i went and i looked at it so i'm just going to read it here how it is so it says that love suffers long and is kind or love is patient love is kind Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love doesn't think. Love thinks no evil. Love does not um, rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, whoo, Jesus, wow, I'm getting excited, you guys, because like, I never, like, it's literally as I'm recording this and I'm speaking to you that I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, this is a gift, because like, like I said, we never think of love as a gift, do we? But even look at how the Apostle Paul structured this letter, he's finished describing what love is, and he goes back to the gift, he says, he says, but, um, but where there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Again, these are all like gifts, right? That he was speaking like the gift of a word of knowledge or the gift of prophecy. He says, for we know in part and we see in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, but I thought as a child. But when I become a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, just as I also am known. And now abideth faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So that's now like another thing. So it's like this love that Paul speaks about, this love that is patient, that is kind. A love that is not jealous, that doesn't parade itself or is not puffed up. A love, you know, that never fails. A love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and enjoys all things. That kind of love is the love that the Holy Spirit works in us and produces in us. So, like I said, I did a bit of a study in that to see what exactly that love is and practically. So, firstly, the fruit of love that Holy Spirit um, produces in us, it is patient. The word used there is the word makrothumio, and it means long-suffering. So that kind of love, it doesn't lose heart. It perseveres patiently, and it, it endures even in the toughest of times. So if you want to know if you've got this fruit, it's like, or if you've got love, it's looking at how patient are you? Do you, Are you long-suffering? Um, are you patient? In, in one um, definition, it defined, it defined love as being patient in bearing the offenses and injuries of others. And when I read that, it made me think of the line in the Lord's Prayer where we say, forgive us our sins, even as we forgive those who's 
sinned against us or forgive us our trespasses just as we forgive those who trespass against us so there's an expectation that you're going to be long-suffering why because your father in heaven is long-suffering like we always say in the on this podcast whenever we're speaking about repentance that god is long-suffering that nobody should perish and we need to be the same as well Another definition says to be mild and slow in avenging, slow to anger and slow to punish. So how quick are you at not only getting angry, but also avenging and punishing whoever has hurt you? Are you the type of person who brushes things aside? Again, it doesn't say that it's you never get angry. No, it says you're slow to anger. So you get angry. That's normal. But are you slow to anger or are you one of those people that people know not to mess with you because my goodness that she's like a firecracker that one you know what i mean if you're like that then you know you just pray to the holy spirit to continue working in you within you and with you and the um the hope that we have and the assurance that we have is found in luke where god says that um how many of you know if you fathers being evil you know to give you know your child a stone uh, you don't give your child a stone if you ask for bread and you don't give him a snake if you ask for fish how much more will the will God give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him? So if you just ask him for the Holy Spirit and you allow the Holy Spirit to work in you, even if you're somebody who's quick to anger, it doesn't have to be your testimony. It, it doesn't have to be a, that's just how I am kind of thing, but the Holy Spirit can actually work in you. So the second thing that this kind of love is, is that this love is kind. The word there is Christ, Christ, my Christiomai or something like that. I can't say it properly, but it means to show oneself useful. And when I was doing the study, I realized I actually don't know what kindness is. I always thought that kindness is kind of like an aura. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, that person is so kind. But I never knew, like, oh, why do I call people kind? And um, that word Christiomai, it speaks about being useful. So the word, um, its root word is the word Christus, and it means fit for use or purpose so when somebody is kind is they're use they're youthful it's an active word they this there's a way that they act in being useful and in meeting a need that causes them to be defined as kind so literally what this love does is it makes you useful wow imagine that like the god kind of love makes you useful and fit for a purpose The third characteristic that I have here is that love does not envy. And the word used there is the word zello, which means to be heated with envy, hatred or anger or to desire earnestly. Now, that word zelo is the same word that can be used for the word zeal. It's being zealous about something. But with envy, with the little study that I did, I realized I I kind of had to think for myself because, you know, like I said, that I struggled with jealousy at the beginning of the year. And I had to be like, why was that bad? Why is it bad to, why is jealousy bad? What is it about jealousy that makes it a bad thing, right? And literally the thing with envy and jealousy is that you look at a person and you say, I wish that were me. Not in a, I'm going to work hard to get to that place, but in a, I want to remove that person and put myself in there. So envy literally looks at taking away from someone um, rather than emulating a person to achieve whatever they've achieved. So that's why envy is bad. It's literally like, if I could move you, I would to the point where you've got hatred or anger 
over what someone is um have over what what's happening to somebody or what somebody has and the word of god is telling us that the love that holy spirit produces in that it doesn't envy it doesn't it's not you don't desire it doesn't produce this feelings of earnest desire to the point where you want to take away from someone just so you can have what they have the, the next thing here is that love does not parade its, itself the word there is my, and it means a self-display or employing embellishments and extolling oneself so basically it's like puffing yourself up and the next one I, that i have is actually is not puffed up which the word is fuzio which means overly inflated or to cause to swell up so Ooh, that's interesting i might go to that puffed up one later but with does not parade itself it's like you yourself parading yourself going like well well what i do in my house you know if somebody maybe tells you oh my goodness you know i studied and i got like a b plus and then you're like well when i did that course i got an a plus i always got a's in that class they always ask me for answers like that's literally puffing yourself up and um the word the that word it speaks about even embellishing and sometimes you know adding a little bit of salt and spices just to make yourself sound better than you are I think there's a, there's a verse in the Bible which speaks about do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. So it's like, oh, you know, don't be so, put yourself so far up there. I think there's actually even a proverb which says that, you know, when you go into a place to sit, don't go and sit at the, far, at the like, um, far most or topmost place or at the place of preeminence rather you would rather sit at the back and have somebody tell you no 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 come and sit at the front than be moved from the place in the front where you sat to the back <laughs> oh my gosh the Bible has such practical tips <laughs> so if ever you get to a place even if you know that you're well known you would rather maybe sit in the middle and have somebody come and be like no you're supposed to sit in the front then you go sit in the front and then you have to be moved from back for somebody who's more important than you so basically that's what it's saying that the love that holy spirit produces in us it helps us not to think high too highly of ourselves it helps us be very objective um, about our value it doesn't mean you devalue yourself but you value yourself accordingly because it's not even you that's valuing yourself it's the holy spirit who's showing you your value and the holy spirit will never cause you to be too puffed up like we can never measure up to god so you always have you never think that you're like the best thing since sliced bread when you're valuing yourself through the eyes of God. You will think that you're, you're fearfully and wonderfully made, but not to the detriment of other people. So that's where parade itself is. And I, I'll move it from there to is not puffed up, of which the word there is fuzio, which means overly inflated or to cause to swell up. And why I got excited about this one was because I think with most of these, it's like you're thinking it's you doing something, but this word doesn't to cause to swell up. I think when you love somebody, the type of love that the Sagape love, it's, you know, sometimes when you overly compliment people so that they feel good about, like overly compliment, I mean, like you just lay it on thick. And you cause a person to swell up. I think sometimes you can, you you know, when you even get like those sentences where people might say that child is spoiled or, and the child never hears any rebuke from their parents or anything, like that's causing somebody to be supposed to swell up. So is love is not puffed up. It's even in the way that you relate to other people that you give compliments, which is good, but you don't puff up. You don't inflate people's egos. And I think there needs to be a balance that's kind of struck because sometimes People don't even want to give compliments where compliments are due because they're, they're like, I don't want to stroke that person's ego. So they withhold compliments, but that's not what the word of God is saying. It's saying, don't 
love is not puffed up it's not overly inflated so you inflate but you don't do it overly um the next one that i have here is that love does not behave rudely and the word there i'm not even going to try to say it but i think it's oh no I, I won't i think it's oh i'm gonna try i'm gonna try it if if i've got any greek people who listen to this please forgive me i am trying and i'm learning so the word is askemoneo and it means to behave in an unseemly indecent or in elegant way right so when you hear the word like don't be rude you just think like don't speak like in um in a rash way right in a rash manner don't be like don't just be polite but here it's it even says that it, when you're being inelegant imagine like if you're a girl and you're wearing like a skirt right and you just sit with your legs wide open that's you wouldn't think of that as rude right like you wouldn't say to that person that person is so rude look at the way that they're sitting but here the word of god is like it's it's in the way you behave you know it's behaving in a way that is not seemly indecent or or inelegant and the love that god produces in us helps us to to behave in a way that is elegant in a way that is decent in a way that is seemly so to speak so i'll just turn my page here um the next one that i've got here is that love does not seek its own and the word for that is um i think it's zaleo and it means um to look with intent to find to demand something from someone or to plot so seeking for for your own the love that god produces from us it's very benevolent it's it always always looking at others rather than yourself so when you enter into a situation you're not plotting to see what can you get out of it but rather what can you give to the people in that situation you're not looking to demand something from somebody else but rather looking at what can i give to this to the people in this situation the next one here is love is not easily provoked and easily provoked mean um there it means easily aroused to anger or easily exasperated or burning with anger and i think it kind of ties up you know with the patient one that we spoke about before about whether you're patient or not so that's the kind of love that god produces in us and i find that that's interesting because remember when we looked at galatians chapter 5 one of the works of the flesh were those bursts of anger and those fits of rage but the holy spirit produces something that's directly opposite to that in that you're not easily provoked like it's not that you're not provoked but it's just that it's not easy to do so um the next one was an interesting one it was the word thinks no evil and the word for think that um the word for think that's been used in that verse i'm just going to go and look look at it so that i can read what the word was so the word there is logizomai and it means to reckon count compute calculate count over it's to take into account to make an account of so metaphorically to pass to one's account to impute um, a thing is reckoned as or to be something i.e as availing for or equivalent to something um so again to think is to reckon in, in what count up or weigh the reasons to deliberate so basically like i found that interesting um because when you hear love thinks no evil i just thought that you don't have evil thoughts right like you don't um covet you don't think about murdering people and all that good stuff 
Okay. But when I look at that word, when I looked at that word, logizomai, logizomai, it's actually even more than that. It's like you don't even weigh up the reasons for evil. And evil here, or iniquity, um, iniquity is defined as injustice of a judge, unrighteousness of heart, um, unrighteousness of heart or life. Um, let's see. Think it's no evil. There we go. Yeah, it says of a bad nature, of a mode of thinking, feeling, or acting, troublesome, injurious, pernicious, destructive, or baneful. So, oh no, sorry, that was a different one. So for that, those are the things that are evil. Like when I think, think when I when I used to think of thinks no evil, I just thought you don't have evil thoughts. But here it's even saying that you don't even count evil that other people have done to you. You don't even think about the reasons that people have wronged you for you know to do things for them like you count no evil you don't you don't count it towards them in the same way that god doesn't count our iniquities against us or our evil against us when we repent you know he says that he forgives our sins and he remembers them no more oh that's so beautiful that's amazing that's and now you kind of see why like like in the beginning i said that the first thing that god will produce in you is himself like and i love like i said i love how the passion translation put it um so maybe i'll read the passion translation a little bit later but i'll just finish these so the next thing that i've got here from first corinthians chapter 10 it says that love does not rejoice in iniquity but rejoices in truth so the word for rejoice there is to thrive in um and it's so interesting as I was doing the study like I just thought that rejoice in iniquity I just thought like you rejoice when other people are sinning I never thought that like it's for you but there in this in this in the word here it's saying that like you thrive in injustice you thrive in unrighteousness be it of your heart or of your life it's saying that when you've got love you don't thrive in iniquity in fact if you're in iniquity if you're in injustice um, if you're in unrighteousness within your heart or in your life you're not going to thrive you're going to do the opposite of thrive, whatever that is. I'm not too sure. But then it says that, but then when you enter into truth, you will rejoice in truth. You'll begin to thrive in truth. And this is, this blew my mind when I read this. The word for truth used there is the word aletheia. So let's see. It's the word aletheia and um. It is the same word that's actually used in John chapter 14 and verse 6. So I'm just going to quickly go there to John chapter 14 verse 6. And it says, so this is just before the Jesus was about to go to heaven. And his disciples asked him, you know, where are you going? And the word of God says, John chapter 14 verse 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the father but by me so literally that word jesus said i am the way the althea the aletheia so you rejoice in the aletheia you rejoice in the truth you rejoice in jesus so you don't thrive with where there's injustice but the moment you're in the presence of god you begin to thrive you begin to grow you begin to um to experience growth and i don't know i think when i read that that just kind of blew my mind away at how complete and total it is why like you just see the Godhead kind of working um, through this love that the Holy Spirit begins to work um, in you. So those were the ones that I kind of ended with. I didn't go much further in depth um, with the rest of them, but let's see. But um, First Corinthians, 
Oh, actually, before I kind of close on First Corinthians, I think I wanted to kind of read the rest of it, you know, that it speaks about love bearing all things. And it, means, it literally means to cover with silence. <laughs> Imagine that, like the love that God produces in us covers with silence. And it makes me think of that story of um, Noah and his children when Noah got naked and one of his children went and he laughed. And, and I think it was Ham who laughed. And his father basically called his brothers to be like, come and see our dad is drunk and naked. And then the two brothers, rather than seeing their father naked, they put like a cloth between them and they walked backwards and they covered their father. So literally, that's what to bear all things means. And then um, it also says that um, love believeth all things. So it means to think to be true. So the first thing that you think is that you think you, you're going to think that whatever somebody is saying is true and it's not, it's not about being naive right but it's believing the best in people that's the kind of love that god um, produces in, in us and it says hopes all things so trusts to expect or confide so you 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 always have hope and endureth all things and i think that's kind of self-explanatory speaking about tarrying and it speaks about that this kind of love it never fails the love that god produces in us the love that forms the fruit of the spirit it never fails and to fail there it says to fall out of to fall down from or to fall off from remember how i said at the beginning that the love that we have as people it can wane it can be hot one minute cold the next it can be up one time down the next but this love that god produces in us it doesn't fall out it doesn't fall down it doesn't fall off the other definition says is the word for to fall is um, it never the word for fail is that it's it's, it's the Greek word ekpipto ekpipto and the second definition for it is to perish or to fall from a place from which one cannot keep to fall from a position to fall powerless to the ground or be without effect so to drop away or be driven out of like the love that God produces in us, it cannot be driven out of. That's why it never fails. It's there. It's constant because it's not a love that's dependent on us. It's a love that's so fully rooted and fully um engraved in the Holy Spirit and funded and powered by the Holy Spirit that it's not even for, like, remember, it's not a fruit of you. It's a fruit of the Spirit. So the more that you abide in, the more that you dwell in him, the more he produces this love within you. So, um, I think the last thing that I'll say there is that, you know, Paul speaks about that. Now these three things abide, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And like I said, before I finish, I'm just going to read the um, Galatians chapter 5 and verse um, 22 in the Passion in the Translation. And it says that, but the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. It's joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. And now we've just looked at this love thing, right? And it's a love that we cannot produce in and of ourselves, but the Holy Spirit works in us to help us to produce it. And to literally grow this fruit. So I'm just going to say a 
prayer for anybody um, who might be struggling with loving, um, at least in the way that we've um, described, or anybody who might be saying that, look, Mel, like, I hear what you've said, but that's not where I'm at, to be very honest. And honestly, like, if you can recognize that, that's actually a work of the Holy Spirit. Because remember, like we said, that with our nature is not to love, is to do everything that's against the Holy Spirit and that's against God. But if you can recognize that, look, I'm actually not okay, then that's a good place to start because then you can allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. So I'm just going to say a prayer um, just for anybody who wants to love the way that the Holy Spirit loves. And I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit um, just to work in you. And if you believe um, or if you if your heart is receptive, then, you know, just join me in prayer and I'll join with you as well. And I believe that God will do something great. I believe that he will do something amazing and something new. Because like I said before, you know, whenever we ask God for the Holy Spirit and whenever we ask him of anything in his name, believing that it's done, he does it for us. So even as I'm going to begin praying now, I just want you to know that it's already been done. And just receive it by faith. Amen. So let's pray. Father God, we come before your holy presence today, Lord, and we just want to thank you. Thank you, God, for giving us another opportunity another opportunity to see you, God, and to be with you. And in this moment, God, I pray for whoever's listening to this, God, who might be saying that, Father, I don't love the way that um, you want me to love and wants to develop, Father God, more in this area. God, I thank you that we don't develop the fruit of the Spirit on our own. Holy Spirit, you are the one who works in us to, to do the will of God. You're the one who works in us to change us and to transform us and so god i just ask that you continue to work in the hearts of your children god continue to touch our hearts continue to touch our minds continue to touch us holy spirit and transform us even as we read your word god you promise that your word father god it will transform us father god you said that we shouldn't um, conform to the ways of this word but be renewed but be transformed by the renewing of your of our minds even as we read your word holy spirit i thank you that you're the paraclete you're the helper you're the one who guides us into all truth continue to guide guide us into love show us how to love the way that you love to have this agape kind of love the god kind of love the love father god that um that doesn't fail not only love towards men love towards you god and even love towards one another father god i pray god that that love would increase lord because you said that that's how the world would know that we're your disciples if we love one another so i just pray that god that you would continue to work that in us i thank you father that you hear our prayers thank you jesus that you're interceding on our behalf and thank you holy spirit that you're at work bringing these the, this fruit um to fruition in our lives we give you all the glory and all the honor it's in jesus name we pray amen there may be some people out there who like the prodigal son used to have a relationship with the father but because of life they fell away or it could be the case that you never had a relationship with god but as you listen to the podcast that we post you feel a tugging in your heart and you would like to enter into a relationship with god If any of these scenarios apply to you, I invite you to say this prayer after me. Father in heaven, I thank you. I thank you for loving me. Thank you for calling me to be in a loving relationship with you. I confess that I am a sinner and I cannot save myself. I thank you, Father, 
that you sent your one and only Son to die for me so that I can be saved. Jesus Christ, I believe that you are the Son of God and that you died and rose again for me. I turn away from my sins and invite you into my heart as my personal Lord and Savior. I commit myself to you and I ask you to send the Holy Spirit into my life to guide me and help me do your will. Thank you for your love and your grace that has saved me. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. If you've said that prayer and you believed it in your heart, I want to welcome you to the family of God. The word of God in Romans chapter 10 verses 9 to 10 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Congratulations on deciding to walk with God. It's such an exciting journey to traverse through life with Him. I can tell you there is so much rejoicing in heaven right now over the decision you have made. I encourage you to either buy a Bible or download a Bible app on your phone and begin to read the Bible every day so that you can learn to hear the voice of God and so that your faith may be increased. I also encourage you to join a local Bible-believing church so that you can fellowship with other Christians. Once again, thank you for joining us here on Words from Abba, a place where we look to reveal the Father's heart so that you may be confident in who He is and what He has to say to and about you. We'll see you again next week.